Good morning. Good to be with you guys today. Let's turn together. Um, let's see, where should we go? Uh, so many options in front of me. Go to Mark chapter 12. We'll get there eventually. Um, very good to be with you. We, uh, we have uh, several announcements and some things that need to be made. We're going to push those to the end. Um, I want to get right to it this morning. Uh, we have obviously uh, been been singing and celebrating and like focusing our minds a little bit today. And um, <clears throat> I was thinking about this yesterday. How uh, so? Around here, we our staff works Sunday through Thursday, and so our Friday Saturday is your Saturday Sunday. So Thursday is our Friday. And when you leave here on Thursday, you're hoping to have everything done so that you can really like downshift into your Sabbath and all that. And so when I left here on Thursday, I was like, feeling good about things, everything's cool, you know. And I wake up Friday and everything went crazy, right? Um, turn on the news to see that uh, the thing we knew was going to happen had happened in terms of the Supreme Court decision. And uh, probably like a lot of you just kind of was really just watching a lot of coverage and reading a lot of things and cringing a lot. Just me? Okay. I was cringing a lot, uh, looking at social media, looking at national media, looking at everything of just, like, even when you know something is going to happen, and we know it got leaked, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I've lived my whole life with, like, the Roe versus Wade court case being such a, like, prominent issue and like a lot of people just thought it would never nothing would ever change with it you know and then you know here here we are and there are sermons that uh that are um well in the discipleship world there's apparently like one of the models is uh you disciple someone it's either just in case or just in time so just in case it's like hey as a disciple of jesus you're going to need to know about this and this and this and this let's the older disciple brings along the younger disciple and like, let's teach you about this. Let's learn about this together because you're going to need to know this as a follower of Christ. That's just in case. Uh, then there's just in time, which is like what's happening right now in your life that we need to address. And so there are sermons that are just in case sermons and then there are sermons that are just in time sermons. And so uh, I went from Thursday feeling like I knew what Sunday was going to look like to Friday morning having no idea what Sunday needed to look like because uh, it looked like a shift needed to happen from a just-in-case sermon to a just-in-time sermon. And so if you were hoping to go to church today and not have to hear about it, I'm sorry. Uh, because we need, like, this needs to be addressed. Like, pastorally, this needs to happen. And no, that's not the case with every, every major news event. It's not the case, uh, you know, all the time. But when something is going to be what your coworkers are talking about, and it's going to be what's dominating the news feed, and what our, it's where our culture is, we as ambassadors are sent into this culture, and we need to know what to do. And we need to um, be able to have like Jesus as our leader showing us what to do. Um, so I spent Friday and Saturday kind of like, okay, so what is, is this more of like a... Do we do like a prayer time on this or is this like a change the whole sermon thing? It's like, eh, it's changed the whole sermon thing. Um, but yet I went to two of the verses I was going to talk about and said, well, what, really these verses still apply. It's just a different perspective. One of them is in 2 Peter chapter 3, 17 and 18. It says, you therefore beloved or beloved, 
knowing this beforehand. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now, Peter is, uh, at this part in his letter, he's actually talking about false teachers who have come in and taken Paul's writings and tried to twist them and change them and all this kind of stuff. And so he's dealing with false teaching. He's not necessarily talking about the kinds of things that we're talking about. But the, the principle here, he says, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. There's a lot of stability being lost right now, you know. Um, <clears throat> we are watching... Jesus uh, once again proved himself to be correct. Uh, in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What we are watching is our man-made solutions prove themselves to be built on false foundations. And you might assume that you know what I'm talking about when I say human solutions, but I'm talking about all of them. I'm talking about government as a human solution, laws as a human solution, Political parties as a human solution, various sides of issues, medical procedures, social programs, leaders, news outlets, social media, all the human reliance. We have tried so hard as humans for a very long time to figure out how to do it without listening to the Lord. And we've constructed all of these things that ultimately will prove themselves to be false. And that's what, that's what we're seeing. We're, we're watching like, oh, okay. That doesn't work, and 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 that doesn't work. And so it doesn't really matter which quote-unquote side of this issue you are on. It's all showing, it's all revealing its foundation to be sand and not the rock, just like Jesus said it would. And so Peter says, take care that you are not, uh, that you don't lose your own stability because you get swept up in all of that. What is his solution? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you navigate your way through this? Well, Peter would say, you focus on the one. You focus on the rock. Don't obsess over the sand and the structures built upon them. You obsess over the rock and the one who says uh, that he has like, built him, like the church is built upon him. So that's part of it. All this really just reveals that as much as we think we know everything, we actually know nothing, right? So a part of what we need to do is look at what's going on and be like, wow, we really don't know anything like we think we do. Second text I was going to talk from is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, where Paul is writing to Timothy, again, also addressing false teachers and uh, all kinds of... Uh, Groups that are trying to add all kind of rules in there to say different things. And he says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. 
Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I love that that idea, irreverent, silly myths. Like irreverent, godless, unholy, silly, like uh, that. actually the phrase in a lot of translations refers to them as old wives' tales, you know? I looked up some old wives' tales just for fun to try to like break the tension a little bit, and I learned all kinds of things that I've always heard were not true. You know, old wives' tales like supposedly you can look at a pregnant woman, and, and if she's carrying high or carrying low, it has something to do with the gender. It's not really true. Um, gum does not stay in your stomach for seven years. You know that? That's old wives' tale. Uh, the one about jellyfish things. You know what I'm talking about? Not true. See, lighter. Look how everything just got lighter. Nice. What was happening, though, where Timothy was, is they were like buying into some of these myths, these silly, godless, unholy things. A myth is a myth. It is something that is not true. Greek mythology, not true. Interesting to read about and stuff like that, but it's not true. They're ministering in a culture that literally worshipped all of these Greek and Roman gods, and yet it's like, no, they're, they're myths. They're... So instead of focusing, like he says, have nothing to do with those things, rather, his solution, train yourselves in godliness. It's the same thing that Peter was saying. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Train yourself for godliness. That word train, it's the same word that we get our word gymnasium from. And training, he brings in like a physical training comparison because it's the same thing. You're, if you want to run a marathon, you don't just go run a marathon. You train to run a marathon. You start where you are and you have the goal in mind and you get people who know what they're doing to show you what's my next step. Like how do I move one step in that direction? How do I move the next step in that direction? You train yourself to do what you can't do currently. And so Peter and Paul are both saying, hey, Your culture is going to lie to you. Do not get caught up in it. Have nothing to do with the mythology that is being spread around you. Instead, focus on the one who is ready to train you to do what you cannot do on your own, which is know how to navigate through this. Now, Mark 12. Jesus was not in the same situation that we are in, but I think there's enough of a comparison, and it will feel like a reach a little bit, but just just give me a little grace, okay? Uh, Jesus often found himself in these situations where you had, like, political things going on, you had religious things going on, you had cultural norms, and you had all of these different things, and then he would get, like, backed into a corner, and they would try to trap him and say, what do you think about this? And if you have not found yourself in a similar situation, maybe not antagonistically, but just people being like, hey, what do you, what do you think about the Supreme Court deal? What do you think is going to happen? What do you, where do you even stand on that whole issue? It's, it's going to happen. Your family members are going to ask. Your coworkers are going to ask. Your neighbors are going to ask. Especially if you are a professing Christian. Like if you're, like, if by the way you live your life, by your speech, by your actions, uh, if if people know that you're a Christian, you do not hide it. They're going to be very curious. And you don't even have to wait for them to bring it up. You can bring it up. It's fine. But 
I kind of feel like we're a little bit like, it's, a, it's weird right now, right? And so let's look at how Jesus handled a situation. Let's see if there's anything we can learn from him because that's how we train in godliness and how we grow in the grace and knowledge of who he is as we study his life. We say, wow, look how he did it. I wonder if I can do that. And he says, yeah, I'll train you to do it. I'll give you my spirit as your trainer. I'll show you the next step and the next step and the next step. So this is going to be built around paying taxes to Caesar. And I preached out of this when we went through Mark, but most of y'all probably don't remember that because lots happened between now and then. Uh, So uh, paying taxes to Caesar was a real hot button issue um, among the Jews because they were uh, supposed to be free and in the promised land, and yet they were in Roman-occupied territory. And they were being forced to pay taxes to Caesar, which really, it reminded them that they weren't really free. Roman was a very cruel master. They didn't like that part of it. The coins were, had an engraved image on there of Caesar, and that made it an idol according to them. And so paying the tax was like a form of idol worship. It was really complex. And a lot of times they would come up to rabbis and they would say, hey, well, should we pay this tax or should we refuse? Should we go with what the government is saying or should we like stand our ground? What do you think, rabbi? Happened a lot. So verse 13, Mark chapter 12. They sent to him some of the Pharisees, some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true do not care about anyone's opinion. For you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Okay? Now, notice they're trying to make him pick a lane. They're trying to force him into one or two, one or two camps. Are you one of those rabbis that says we should or are you one of those rabbis that says we should not? Are you one of those that says we should pay and we should, should engage in this form of idol worship because there are authorities and they're in this and this and this and this? Or are you one of the rabbis that says, no, we should rebel against them even if it costs us our lives? Where are you? Where are you? Now, if Jesus, to quote Peter and Paul, if, if, if Jesus had been carried away with the error of lawless people and lost his own stability, or if he was wrapped up in irreverent silly myths, this would have been a very confusing moment for him. Okay? Now, hear what I'm saying. If, if Jesus had been completely swept up in all the narratives, all the opinions, if he had been living on social media and was just being bombarded with everyone's opinion and every influencer trying to tell you what you should do and all that kind of stuff, this would have been a terrible moment for him. It would have probably been really confusing if he had been swept up in those things and had no stability. He wouldn't have had his wits about him. To see this through the lens of the kingdom of God would have been very, very blurry. Look at verse 15. Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, which is the coin, let me look at it. They brought brought him one and said, he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And if the coin, you might recall, I showed a picture of the coin when I preached on this a while back. On one side, it said, Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. In other words, this guy is the son of God. On the other side of the coin, it said, son of a God and high priest. And so this coin 
was attributing divinity to Caesar. And that's a part of what made it so weird. And so Jesus is like, who is this? And they're like, that's Caesar. Again, if he'd been swept up in culture, he would have missed this. But look at what he says in verse 17. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now, I know a lot of, of you, and I know a lot of your backgrounds, a lot of church, church folk in here. I personally always assumed that what he was saying there is, pay your taxes, make sure, but make sure you pay your tithe. A lot of preachers really like to preach that, right? No, pay your taxes, but don't forget about the tithe. That's not really at the core of what he's saying, although both of, both of those things are good. He's, he's like, Who's, whose image is this? Then give it back to him. It's his coin. He wants it back? Give it back. It doesn't mean anything more than that. It doesn't make him your master. It doesn't mean that you're worshiping him. It, that, he's a false god. It's a myth. It's just not true. So God's not going to be mad at you for paying your taxes. Just that coin belongs to Caesar. He wants it back. Give it to him. But also render to God the things that are God's. And so what is God's image inscribed upon? Us. Right? God doesn't have to draw his face on the side of a mountain or on a coin, carve it into a tree. He's made his image known through us, we bear his image. And in the most crystal clear way, Jesus. And so he's like, render to Caesar what Caesar's, but render to God what is God's. And what is God's? You are God's. Give yourself to him. Not only are you and I his, but Everything in the world is his, right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the psalmist tells us. And so not only am I God's and are you God's, but also like this, this podium right here is God's and this phone right here is God's. And any money I might have in my pocket is God's and everything is his. So we are to give ourselves and everything we have to him. It's all his. Caesar, whatever, pay your taxes. He's, he's showing them, look, you're part of something bigger than yourselves. Do not lose sight of that because of irreverent, silly myths that are making you lose your stability. Train yourself in godliness. What does godliness even mean? It's, it's the attitude that we have when we consider God in everything that we are doing. That he is involved and has an opinion and it is like a true embodiment of what would Jesus do? You know? So that's what he's doing in this moment. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And it says that they, were, that they marveled at him in response. 
So let go of the cultural myths and let God speak to the issue. That's what we see him doing here. So, what does that have to do with what is happening in our country? Not only because of the Supreme Court decision on Friday, but we are entering into a completely new season. And this is not going away. This is going to be very present until the midterm elections and then presidential election. Like this is back on the front burner. If you thought it was on the back burner, it's on the front burner. And so in a just-in-time kind of way, as people who have covenanted together and committed to one another to being on mission together, what are we, what is, how does this help us? How does Jesus train us in godliness today in a way that brings back any stability we may have lost? Um, I think there's, there are several takeaways, and I don't have time uh, because your time is valuable. Uh, I don't have time to get into all of them. We could be here for a long time. It took me, I was like, how do I narrow all this down into one thing? Like, so I asked the Lord, like, what, for right now, when it comes to, like, like, after we bless one another and we scatter back out into the world, what do we need to carry with us? And I came down to this, this one part of it, is that one of the big, irreverent, silly myths that's coming our way is that there are only two lanes in this discussion. That you are either pro-life or you're pro-choice. And, and much, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, but much like these uh, religious leaders were trying to do to Jesus, they were trying to force him into one of two categories. We are being led the same way by the powerful people in our country. They've created this myth that there are only two ways to look at this issue. And they're trying to put us into two camps that will fight one another because there's a lot of people that can get really, really rich off of that. And I know that sounds like I'm being very political, and I'm really not being political. Jesus was constantly exposing Rome for what it was and also exposing Israel's idolatry of their own uh, Israelness. That's not the right way to say that. Of their own Jewishness. Uh, he was constantly like, hey, this is what's really going on. It was happening a lot. And so I just want to follow his lead and say, hey, that's what's happening in our culture. The people in charge of the media, of politics, of all this kind of stuff, they are forcing us to say, you're either this or you're this. Which one are you? Kind of like we see happen with Jesus. And in the moment, we learned that the Spirit showed him, hey, this is not about keeping a rule. And this is not about picking a side. This issue in, in, this, in the text, paying the taxes, it was not about this side or this side. It was about being a people who love God above everything else. That's how Jesus saw it. Paying your taxes in this story was about being people who love God above everything else. So it's like, you want the money, Caesar? It's fine. It's yours. It's got your face on it. Okay, it's yours. You want our possessions? You want to take our, our cattle? You want to take our land? You want to take our houses? You want to take whatever? It's fine. I'm the Lord's. It's all his. Like, I'm fine. I'm not happy about it. I don't love it. It's not comfortable. Those kinds of things. But 
Jesus was like, this is about being a people who love him above everything else. He had his wits about him. He had a stability because he said no to the silly myths. And the Holy Spirit in these moments shows him what to do. It's like when the woman is caught in the act of adultery and they want to all like, they're like, the law says we can kill her. What do you think? And he kneels down and draws in the dirt for a second and he comes back up and he says, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. One by one, they drop the stones. They all walk away. And he tells her, I don't condemn you. Walk away from this lifestyle. You know, like, remember that, that story? Like, what a, what a moment where the Spirit gives him the perspective and the words that he needs. And we are going to need that kind of leadership. We, we need to be training ourselves in godliness so that as we encounter conversations and all those kinds of things, everything that's ahead of us, that we're doing what Jesus did in the moment instead of getting swept up in it. And that myth that, that this is like a binary issue, is, it's, such, uh, it's such a tricky one. Every person in every situation is different. So rather than buying into that irreverent, silly myth that you have to be this or this, you have to pick a side. It's not like we're in a single file line and you get to the end and they're like, you're either going to this camp or this camp. Like, perhaps it's really just turning to the spirit and asking for wisdom. Maybe through the scriptures, maybe just by being together this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit is like, like, like you know, like on like an instant pot when you have the like pressure cooker thing on and it's building all this pressure and there comes a point where like you like turn it and it releases all that pressure. Maybe this morning is a little bit of like releasing some, hey, the culture's putting pressure on you, but I'm not putting pressure on you. It's okay. It's okay to say, hey, this is complicated. Maybe it's, one of those situations where we, we, as the people of God, need to be less rigid and admit that this is kind of beyond our like either or mindset. That we we're so we're so like that here, especially in the West. Like maybe we need to kind of like re- relax and say, hey, this is this is hard. Maybe it's one of those times where we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and say, I don't exactly know the right answer here. Maybe we look at him and say, I, you know what to do. I have no idea what to do. I think I know what to do. And sometimes, some days I feel this, but then I wonder about this. And I feel so caught back and forth. Like maybe it's important that we say that to him. Maybe it's important that we say that to other people. That it's perfectly fine to be like, this is really hard. I'm not sure what to do. And I know that, that there's some of you who are listening to me say these things and you're like, you're like, no, this is pretty black and white for me. And I'm not trying to talk you into it being gray. I'm not trying to talk people who see it as gray into being black and white. I'm trying to say all of us need to look at the Lord and say, this is bigger than us. Every one of us needs to, like, we have to be training ourselves in godliness as we go. And even if you feel solid in your, like, how you look at this, that's great. Are you open-handed, though? And... I just like I'm just gonna make a list of like all the things that are going on here, and this is just I could have kept going, but like I said, there's there's only so much time and space for things, but there's a lot going on. Like yes, there are theological issues 
that we as the people of God have to consider. Yes, there are real image-bearing people that we have to consider. Yes, some of those image-bearing people are in really hard situations that we cannot possibly understand because we're not them. Like you're not in their shoes. And some of you have been in some of those places. This has come really close to some of our families. It's come close to my family in terms of uh, like just kind of being stunned that. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Yes, some people are flippant. And they use this as a step of convenience. Some people are very level-headed right now. Some people are very mean right now. Some are in more agony about their choices and about the situations they're facing than we will ever realize. Yes, this is about the role of government in our lives and how much control and reach it should have. Yes, this is about the relationship between church and state, the legislation of morality, and the pros and cons of our overall democratic process. All that is in there. Yes, this is about lack of funding and not enough staffing and the low priority that social services have in our world that help meet needs that exist. Yes, this is about lack of resources available to women, especially the poor, especially the marginalized. Yes, this is about the failure of men. Yes, this is about the unjust treatment of women. Yes. This is sometimes really obvious what to do, and yes, sometimes it is really, really murky what to do. Yes, this all stems from human brokenness as a result of sin. Yes, this reminds us of our need for a Savior. Yes, Jesus is grieving with hope. Yes, the gospel is the only way to heal our world. Yes, Jesus is up for the task and ready to lead us. Yes, God is still in charge of everything. Yes, we are citizens of heaven who happen to live in America, and we serve as ambassadors of the unshakable kingdom of God everywhere our presence is made known and everywhere our voice is heard. I chose to stop there. When all of those things are going on, And culture is saying, are you in this camp? Are you in this camp? We have to have our wits about us enough to step back and say, no, you're not going to do that. Just like Jesus did with paying the taxes, or should we stone the woman caught in the act of adultery, or so many other times where they tried to force him into this camp or this camp, and he's like, no, you're not in charge here. The one who is in charge will lead me, show me what to do. I sense Jesus wanting us to put our phones down and pick our Bibles up and go into our room and close the door and ask him for his eyes to see and his ears to hear and his thoughts from which we can feel and act and speak. In verse 17, after he gave his brilliant answer, it's like, no, you're not going to force me into this lane or this lane because it's really not about that. It says that they, they marveled at him. 
And I don't know that a lot of people are marveling at how followers of Jesus are handling this right now. You know? But what if, what if they did that? You know? Like what if, what if the way that we responded to questions, what if we, the way we responded to answers, news reports, what if the way we engage social media, what if the way we just speak about all this in general, what if, what if it just sort of had people like hit pause for a second? Like I really didn't expect that. What if, what if this is an opportunity that God like, has put in front of us? And saying, hey, let's, let's not waste this. Because we're able to be the embodiment of the grace and truth that Jesus embodied. Like he's showing us what that can look like. Isn't that what the world needs? It's a... This is a complex situation. Um, what if we were we were like just like all we knew what to do is just re, is just direct people to Jesus? What if that's the only that was just a really our role is like well you know here's how I'm praying about it. What if that what if our answers were filled with those kinds of things? Like, yeah, I was, I was talking to the Lord about that the other day. I, yeah, someone in, introduced a perspective I had never thought about before. I'm, something I'm really praying through. I want to be open to God leading me, you know. What if, it, what if, what if there was this kind of marveling that happened? If in a, a week or a month or a year... What if the tone changed? It's not going to get to where there's... Like, those two camps are going to happen. That's where the powers are to be there pushing people. But what if there was, like, the just these new kind of, like... I want to call it, like, a third option. That's not, not what I'm thinking of. But, like, well, like but what if there's just, like, a different... Like, yeah, like, that camp, is, that, that camp is over here and that camp is over here. But then, like, these Christians, they just keep surprising me. They're so humble and admitting that this is beyond us. But this is difficult. There are all these different factors at play, and God's the only one with the wisdom to know what to do. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, um, I went back to this back from the, like when the last election, presidential election was happening. And he's, he says this, he says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And we used that for a few weeks to kind of give us a framework for prayer. And I, and I went to it again and thought, you know, those, those things make a lot of sense still, you know. Honor everyone. That we're treating everyone with respect. Even, even people who see things differently than you. Even people who are really like just like bedded down, heels dug in, that kind of stuff. Even people who are angry, people who are mean. Even people who think that you are like a complete... Like, uh, like you're completely out of touch with reality because you're not in their same camp or those kind of thing. Like, we can still honor. What if that's a part, a part of what people marvel at? It's like, man, you were really respectful of my perspective on that. I was not. I, 
That's very new for me. You know? It says love the brotherhood. You know how divisive this kind of stuff could be in a church? Especially a church our size, you know? We're not like a micro church. We're not a mega church. We're like the bowl of porridge. It's just right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know how divisive that this could be? It maybe has already become. Like praying against that. Like refusing to let the enemy mess mess with the fact that we're kind of all in process and figuring some things out. That there are, are a, lot of, a lot of perspectives. It's not quite as this or this as maybe we thought. Paul talks about maintaining the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That what God has brought together, no man can separate. But the enemy is going to try to get in there and be like, can you believe this person posted this? said this or thinks this or didn't vote this way or whatever. And I'll say this too. Uh, a lot of churches, like the last presidential election, really, really like cause a ton of like strife. But I, I never got that sense here. And I just want to thank you for that. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Okay. That fear is not... It's not terror. It's, it's, it's this like reverence and respect. That there is sovereign leadership of the entire like universe happening right now in this moment. And no matter what happens or doesn't happen, that the kingdom of God has not been shaken. Like we, are, we do not have dual citizenship. We do, not, we do not have a loyalty to heaven and to America. We have single citizenship. It is in heaven. We live in America as ambassadors. We are representing another kingdom, another government, another way of doing things. We get to go into our lives everywhere our feet go, like I talked about last week, and like I talked about at camp. That is happening. No matter what happens in all those places, like things aren't the wheels aren't coming off in terms of who God is. And so honoring him, no matter what happens. The last thing, honor the emperor. You know, thankfully, we don't have an emperor. Um, but even just treating our leadership with dignity and respect, whether that's federal leadership or at the state level, local level, pastors maybe, I don't know. But just recognizing, like, hey, this, this, is, uh, this, is, this is a hard thing. And I know that I'm pretty rough on powerful people. And I'm not just talking about politicians. There's a lot of powerful people trying to steer this in different directions, and I believe it's driven by greed. I do not believe it's driven by the uh, by a lot of the other kind of things that are out there, and I think there's some good politicians and all that kind of stuff. What I am saying, though, is that, like, at no point is God, like, stepping off of the throne of the universe. Nothing is going to overrule what he is doing. And even if... Terrible things happen. We're the ones in the trenches, right? The kingdom of God comes through suffering, not in spite of suffering. And so, yeah, there's probably some suffering that's coming in different ways, different perspectives, that kind of thing. But if we were to take Peter seriously and make a prayerful priority to honor everyone and to love one another and not let this be divisive and to recognize the sovereign leadership of God, even by those 
and humans who are in leadership in different ways, if that became something that we engaged in and we brought ourselves before the Lord and said, look, there are all these irreverent, silly myths out there and they are making my stability questionable. Uh, Will you help me? Will you lead me? What do you think his answer would be? He is eager to lead his people. And so I hope this morning that a part of, of us even singing together and all these kinds of things is like, oh yeah, this uh, God has been preparing us for this. We didn't necessarily know until the leak came out and didn't know when the decision was being handed down, that kind of stuff. Like, but God's like, oh no, I'm, I've been getting my people ready for a long time. This is not the first weird social, cultural thing that he's led his church through. He knows how to do it. And so will we be humble and let him lead us? I hope the answer is yes. Um, so let's pray. I'm ask our musicians to come up. And I want us just to pray um, just for a moment. And then we will, of course, sing some more. Let's just let's begin. Let me just guide us through a few minutes of, of prayer. Let's begin by the same place that Jesus begins his, uh, his prayer as he models it for us. Let's just begin by telling God who we know he, who we know him to be. His holiness, his power, his authority, his ways being higher than ours. Let's just acknowledge that he is, is in authority, um, over us and over all. Let's each in our own kind of way. Let's acknowledge, let's acknowledge our need to humble ourselves under his mighty hand and just admit like this is, this is beyond us. And ask for his help in being open-handed. Conversations and just engaging this with others. Ask for his help. Lord, we know that we know that you know what to do here, and we do not. We know that you are grieving through that is going on, that you grieve with every, every person who's directly affected, that you grieve with the fact that this is even a conversation we have to have, you know, that 
sin and death have brought uh, such division and such pain and we know that you grieve when your kids just don't really know what to do you know so thank you for grieving alongside us and thank you for also grieving with hope because you know what healing looks like you know what direction things need to go you know what it looks like to bring the kingdom close So we ask for your help in helping us navigate our way through this. Would you relieve that pressure that kind of gets put on us and sometimes we put on ourselves have to know exactly what to do and all that stuff. And just, just assure us that you are with us and for us and you'll lead us every step of the way. We love you. We thank you pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Communion is available over to your right. Uh, And we're going to sing, we're going to pray, and however you need to respond this morning, let's do that together.